and it doesn't mean anything to need water if you're a plant. It's just, you know, you need the rain and the rain falls and you absorb and receive. And yet with humans, we were taught to ascribe so many different kinds of meaning, meanings to our needs and how they keep us from one another and what they mean for our, our sense of belonging. And it can get so complicated, but we all really just need what we need. It's not that complicated. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Join me, your host, Samantha Nagel, a certified integrative nutrition health coach, poet, witch, and work in progress for grounding meditations, inspiring interviews, and reflections about spirituality, holistic health, and the world around us. Join in every Thursday as we explore what empowered spirituality means to us in today's world. Welcome to the Empowered Spirituality Podcast. Today, we are talking all about our needs and how to reclaim the word needy and why being needy is not a bad thing. I'm really excited for this episode. It's with someone who I have really looked up to for a long time. She's been on podcasts that I really like. I've listened to her podcast and I am reading her book, Needy, and it is so good. Um, it's my bath time book. <laughs> Not that anyone needed to know, but um, it's so special. And I think I've been doing so much work about how to reclaim my own needs and how to um, release and shed the shame that comes with having needs, even though that is a very normal and natural and human, but also, you know, uh, Mara talks about the plants and animals and how we all just have needs. We are inherently needy. The whole world is inherently needy, um, but it can be so fraught with shame. And we have so many narratives about why our needs are too much, uh, why we're too sensitive, why we're asking for too much, we're showing up too much, we're too loud, we're too much. So I really love this conversation. I talked today with Mara Glatzel. She has an MSW, her pronouns are she, her, and she is a coach, podcast host, and she wrote Needy, How to Advocate for Your Needs and Claim Your Sovereignty. I highly recommend this book if you want to dive more into how to advocate for your own needs. Um, she helps humans stop abandoning themselves and start to reclaim their humanity through embracing their needs and honoring their natural energy rhythms. This has been so profound for me in my own journey of self-care and getting to know myself, or as Mara would say, partnering with myself. Um, I uh, I wanted to bring it up tomorrow during the interview, but we were running out of time. The Zoom the Zoom warning <laughs> was counting down from from ten. Um, but I've been uh, maybe in the last gosh, I, maybe in the last year. Oh my goodness, I've been doing spoons every day. Um, and that came from someone, I don't know her name, but she's chronically ill. And she was trying to describe to her friend while they were both eating in a cafeteria, what it was like to have a chronic illness and to have limited amount of energy. And so she just reached around and grabbed some spoons and said, all right, this is the amount of spoons that I have. And she was saying her friend might have less spoons, but 
And in the way I'm using it here, we all have spoons, whether we have more spoons or less spoons than someone else, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, showering takes a spoon or several, depending on your abilities and your, any pain that you may have or whatever. Um, you know, working takes so many spoons, cooking takes spoons, um, different types of work take different types of spoons, different kinds of interactions take different kinds of spoons, exercise, whatever. Um, and so a lot of the times, either chronically ill people or just all people will have a deficit of spoons because they're giving, 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 doing, doing, doing. And so spoon theory is this kind of idea that we can uh, moderate our spoons and even kind of look into um, how we can kind of budget our spoons or energy. And so something that I've done as I kind of integrate my own neurodivergency is I will draw spoons next to my to-do list, however many I think it's going to take to do that thing. And I've noticed it ebbs and flows too. Um, first, sometimes I'm really hesitant, anxious to drive. And then sometimes driving feels really nice because it's some alone time. <laughs> I get to listen to a podcast or an audiobook that maybe I didn't really have time for during the day. I can talk to myself on the drive. Um, depends where I'm going, right? So it depends on the day. It depends on what I'm doing, but different things will take different spoons. So all that was to say, that's kind of an idea that I was going to throw out there. I wanted to see what Mara thought, but we didn't have time to go into it. Um, so Mara is also a queer femme, mother of two, recovering control freak, and a human who deeply understands the impulse to relegate her needs to the bottom of a very long to-do list in an attempt to prove her worth. So much of our worth is wrapped up in what we accomplish. I think, my goodness, that's something that I am learning and relearning all of the time. How much I wrap my own worthiness up and how productive I can be, how perfect I can be, how much I can crank out, how much work I can do. That's even coming up in my move too. Um, if you've been kind of listening to every episode, you know that I was packing and then I was moving and now I'm unpacking and I can feel myself thinking like I'm only a worthy partner or homeowner if I can like unpack everything quickly or if I make all the furniture as quickly as possible, not make it, put it together. <laughs> um, but like that worthiness and productivity doesn't just show up in work. I think it shows up in every kind of place and it's kind of like a whack-a-mole. You got to whack, 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 wherever it pops up and kind of do that relearning of, you know, we are allowed to take space and to take rest, claim our sovereignty, as the book title says. Uh, she believes that the ultimate act of self-care is rebuilding the chasm in your relationship with yourself. Oh so that you can feel seen, heard, and adored by yourself no matter what. She wants you to know that you don't have to over-deliver, minimize your needs, or suffer to earn your place in this world. You can create a relationship with yourself and your needs, filled with a radiant trust and gentle discipline by taking your daily chores off of autopilot. So kind of having that mindfulness and that intentionality She's not even a little interested in one-size-fits-all self-care that continually misses the mark. And we live in such a like self-care, hashtag self-care, wellness culture, uh, where it, it does feel like one-size-fits-all and it feels really glamorous. And I think we're kind of moving past that, but 
I just see it so much, right? And it's trendy and we follow these different trends, which can be a good thing because it gives us ideas and things to try. But yeah, I think we're really wrapped up that it has to be the right way or the wrong way. Uh, she is ecstatic about helping humans take up the space in their lives as they completely redefined their concept of self-care through honoring and advocating for their own needs. She received her Bachelor's of Arts in English from the College of Worcester in 2007 and a master's degree in clinical social work with a specialization in trauma and interpersonal violence from Simmons College in 2012. So you can find more out about her at maraglatzel.com. That's in the show notes as well. Um, Her book, Needy, is amazing. She does have a podcast called Needy. Um, And she's been on lots of podcasts. She's just really cool. We really talk about so much good stuff in a short amount of time. The differences between a need and a want and how they're both important and they don't have a hierarchy, which is something I'm still wrapping my mind around. Even when she was talking, I was like, yeah, but one's better than the other, right? (laughs) Um, So that's going to take me a while, I guess, to unpack. Um, how we can be comfortable with our own neediness and kind of release that shame. What is sustainable action, how we can show up for our ambition without sacrificing self-care and how we can kind of start this journey in a sustainable way and also lots more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Mara Glatzel and I hope you order her book, Needy. So I have had painful periods and cycles and incredibly heavy periods since I first started my period. And being a certified health coach and having so many talented menstrual health experts in my network has allowed me to use food as medicine and create lifestyle changes to improve my cycle, but I still suffer every month with pain before and during my period and even pain with ovulation, and I still have a pretty heavy flow. And that is where Elix comes in. Their cycle balance tincture is actually personalized just for you. So mine all say Samantha and handwritten lettering on the side of the bottle. And they include a tailored blend of medicinal herbs to holistically support menstrual symptoms by treating the underlying imbalances. And in fact, 93% of users have reported reductions in symptoms such as cramps, heavy bleeding, mood swings, irregular cycles, bloating, fatigue, anxiety and stress, migraines, PMS, and actually many more. I have already seen an incredible decrease in my pain and even if in my flow, something I thought I would just have to live with for the rest of my life. And I've even been experiencing less fatigue and fewer mood swings. So thank goddess for that. (laughs) And if you want to try this out and take the assessment and order your first bottle, you can use the code SamanthaN20 and you can get 20% off of your first order. If you use the code SamanthaN20, you'll do this at elixhealing.com or you can just use the link in the show notes. I think that for me, um, empowered spirituality means that anything and everything is on the table, um, that 
I can find ritual and meaning in nature, in my children's games, in the things that are happening around me in a mundane, everyday sort of way, and that I get to find that and define that for myself instead of waiting to be told what that could or should look like or expect that it only arrives through certain avenues. Mm, I love that you, part of your definition is that you get to define it yourself and probably that it's kind of ever changing and flowing. I think that's really what it means to me too, that it's it's mine. I'm empowered by it and it I get to kind of choose what I believe in or what I do. Yeah. And also choosing to find it. I think for me is such an important part of my practice, like choosing to keep that at the the front of my brain and to see the world in such a way that feels hopeful and prayerful and um, interested, engaged with how things are interconnected and impacting one another. And that's something that I, I just, I really like to think that way. Um, just generally speaking, but I also find that that is something that really supports and nourishes me, particularly when I'm feeling overwhelmed or, um, I don't know, as if things are hopeless or if I'm getting stuck in some way, choosing to return to that way of interacting with the world feels really empowering in and of itself. Yeah, the the option to have a choice is so empowering. I think a lot of us too are maybe forced into a religion or spirituality or we feel like we should. Um, so I love that you included the, the choice mm-hmm. to be spiritual and intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a lot of what your work is really focused on too, is empowering people to not only meet their own needs, but empowering people to help them meet their own needs. Um, And I'm still in the beginning parts of your book, Needy, but it's so good. And you were talking in, uh, I think it's chapter one or the introduction, so really early on, that it's still your responsibility to communicate your needs. And I think that's very empowering as well. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you so much for that. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. You're um, you know, I think that part of my understanding of my place in the world has to do with seeing myself as more closely aligned with the natural world around me than anything else. And when I spend time in the natural world around me and I live uh, way out on the tip of Cape Cod in Massachusetts and um when I'm kind of turning my attention in that direction, I see that a lot of these things that are particularly fraught for us are relatively neutral in nature and that we prescribe a lot of meaning because of our conditioning to our imperfections or where we might be in a cycle of growth or what we personally require in order to bloom. But one thing that I find very inspirational is to spend time with the tide and the seasons and the plants that are growing all around me uh, and being taught that there's a place for all of it. Not, you know, 
even I've been thinking lately, especially when it comes to needs about um, plants and, and they have requirements for blooming. They don't just bloom. I mean, we had a drought here last year. Many things did, did not bloom or, you know, died over the course of the summer because there wasn't the hydration and the sustenance that they required in order to thrive. But how often do we keep our needs at bay or diminish our needs and expect ourselves to be able to create or do things or show up or be in relationships or get stuff done without needing anything to do it. And it that reframe really supports me because it's because of the neutrality to it. And it doesn't mean anything to need water if you're a plant. It's just, you know, you need the rain and the rain falls and you absorb and receive. And yet with humans, we we're taught to ascribe so many different kinds of meaning, meanings to our needs and how they keep us from one another and what they mean for our, our sense of belonging. And it can get so complicated, but we all really just need what we need. It's not that complicated. Yeah. I love that metaphor of thinking about how we don't shame plants or flowers for needing what they need. That's cool. I think a lot of my work recently is has been viewing my needs as value neutral so that they don't really need anything about me that I have certain needs. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's a really, it's so interesting because we're always taught, it's like, we are just swinging pendulums. Uh, we're always taught that we have to go from having relationships with ourselves that are rife with self-abandonment or self-loathing like swing all the way through to the other side to you know i take care of myself because i love myself so much and it brings me so much joy to do that and i always tell people i, I mean i i do care whether or not you like and love yourself but um but also i don't right? However lovable you think you are really has no bearing on what you need and whether or not you require those needs to be met in order to exist and thrive and, you know, um, flourish. And so I love the idea of value neutral um, approaches to our bodies because these things really inherently don't need to have a value assigned to them. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. So we keep talking about needs, but what is the difference between a need and a want? I love this question. I find that um, by and large, though I'm not saying this is why you're asking it, but by and large, people ask me this question because they have kind of about this much to go around. Not much. Please note my little teeny sliver of air between my fingers. Um, about this much to go around and want to put the needs and wants in a hierarchy. So it's like, what's going to get the biggest bang for my buck? Because I don't have a lot of energy to throw at myself. And I want to know how to do that. And beyond that, um, I have been conditioned to allow myself just this much. And I'm hyper concerned with whether or not this is a need or a want because needs are maybe okay, but wants are just a little bit too far. 
So the way that I think about them, first of all, I urge you not to do that. Put them into a hierarchy. The way that I think about it is that a need is what you require in order to exist and thrive. And a want is what you desire in order to exist and thrive. And both of these things are are absolutely important, particularly if you're interested in having a satisfying and delicious, wonderful life. Both things are important and they work with one another. So in many cases, the need becomes the what and the want becomes the how. So say the need is breakfast, that's the what. And the want is what kind of breakfast you want right now, like what you are desiring, what you're hungry for. And so when you think about these two things playing in relationship to one another, you can see how what I need is breakfast, okay? Um, But when I give myself that permission to, in addition to having what I need, also having what I want, which is this specific kind of breakfast. I love to use this example because people can understand how much more satisfying that special breakfast is, whatever that is for you. So that feeling of I'm not just being taken care of in this really sort of rudimentary kind of way where it might feel like somebody's just checking the boxes. I'm being taken care of in this way that is bespoke just for me that is so special just for me because it's taking not just my needs but also my wants into account when you know these decisions are being made that feeling of mattering to yourself or to someone else if the case is someone else and so this is how we can really work to reconnect with ourselves is to take all of those situations, all of those needs, right? I have a need to um, feel love. Well, what flavor love am I needing right now? You know, what might that look like? Do, am I hungry for romantic love? Am I hungry for watching a movie with my sister, cozy under a blanket, cracking up at all the jokes? Am I hungry for something that feels familiar? Am I hungry for physical connection? The more that we're able to figure out not just what we want, but how we want it, the more satisfied we will be across the board. And oftentimes, this doesn't take that much more energy. We think that it does. We we think like, oh, well, God, I don't have time to make myself the ideal perfect breakfast. But if you think about it from a different perspective, let's say, the cup you are grabbing to put your coffee in in the morning. And there's kind of an ugly cup or just an an ugly cup, maybe just an ordinary cup. And then there's a really special cup just behind it. And, you know, even that slight moment where you might say, I don't have time to move this mug out of the way and grab the second mug, which I prefer infinitely to the first, you do have that time. And the impact of making that slight effort has that same effect on you in terms of being satisfied with your experience. When it comes to your life, your felt experience matters so much. 
And this might be the thing that you're accustomed to steamrolling past or, you know, relegating to this is something that I could do on a special day when I have special time. But the more that you can weave that into your daily life, the more enriching and satisfying and delicious that daily life will become. And it's these small moments. It's reclaiming all of these small moments that you, you know, just small decisions you make over the course of the day. Mm, I totally agree. And it, I think when I really started to take better care of myself, I had no idea what I needed or what I wanted. And mm-hmm. I love that you use the mug example because I caught myself doing that today. I was looking at this plain black mug and I was like, eh, I guess. And then I saw my favorite mug right behind it. And it, it, it does give me this little boost that I, I make time. I think you called it taking care of yourself or feeling taken care of. It does. It, it, I don't know. It's such a small thing, but it makes such a huge impact to take those little steps. It feels a lot like inner child nurturing to me when I can meet those little wants that maybe aren't like, I don't need to use that special cup, but it feels very, I don't know, nurturing or like reparenting myself to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I have little kids. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old and my partner is just doesn't have a brain that's oriented in this direction specifically. And they always think that whatever it is that I'm doing with my kids is so over the top and it is for my inner child too. It's just, you know, the magic, the magic of somebody being so interested in the minutia of our preferences. And when I think about my own self-care, that's something that I really endeavor to offer myself just like, being i i love specificity and so being really specific about things and doing it just in just so of a way uh brings me a lot of delight and there usually isn't time for that and that used to be something that i definitely would steamroll by all of the time but now i am trying to practice it because it really doesn't take that much more time by and large yeah. And I like that you use the word practice. It's not something I, when 2020 happened, I got really into like self-development and I was like, I'm going to age this. <laughs> I read like all the books and I was like, I just, my self-care has to be perfect. And I thought I could just be like good at it and like get, be perfect at it. And I like that you say it's a practice, kind of something that we come back to again and again, not something that we ever get right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important and I, there's so much permission in the word practice because you can think, well, it's it's a practice. I could get it wrong and I could start again and I will and do it this way, try it that way. Um, There's a lot of space in that understanding. Mm, I love that. So why do you think that we are so, I mean, your podcast and your book are both called needy. And I know that you have mentioned that you, really do use that on purpose to kind of reclaim the idea of neediness. But why do you think we are so uncomfortable with our own neediness? Well, a lot of this has to, well, there's, there's kind of two avenues. And the first is how needs were perceived or dealt with in our childhood by our families of origin. 
And, you know, for many of us, there wasn't a feeling of time or space for our needs as kids. Maybe, you know, it seemed like you always needed too much or you were feeling too much. You were um, too sensitive um, or, you know, your the grownups in your life uh there was a scarcity of resources or they were working really hard or, you know, they were caught in their own web of stress or mental health. There's so many reasons for it. And I am very intentional not to villainize any, any adult uh, caregiver here because in many cases, we kind of come by this honestly where we're overwhelmed and we have so much on our plate that we're not able to have the bandwidth for our children's needs. Um, or, you know, it may be that we grew up in households where having feelings or needs weren't allowed. And so we don't even know how to parent to that end. And that kind of grows into, especially if you are a woman or a person of any gender who is socialized as a girl, who was raised with this idea of don't be too much. This kind of patriarchal um, upbringing of who is valuable and why, and this hyper feminine version of keeping your needs to yourself and presenting this kind of pretty and pulled together shellacked over veneer and that that is what is right and good. And so we have all of these different stories that we carry converging around this point. This is the thing about me that is way too much and also somehow not enough. And if I want to be successful, if I want to belong, if I want to have relationships, um, if I want to kind of like be chosen in that sort of way by somebody else, then I get there by making myself as good and worthy and palatable by this specific set of instructions as possible. And so it's, it is challenging. And this is, you know, this is on on the the kind of uh female of center version of this story you know i think that of course um there are there's a, a masculine angle to this too where success is paramount um you see these narratives around being a good father being a good provider little room for having needs unto yourself and it is amazing how powerful these narratives are and how much they take from us in terms of our our humanity and how much of ourselves we feel as though we're allowed to bring to the world around us and what the consequences of doing that might be and we're not wrong we're not wrong you know there are going to be people who you are too much for there are going to be situations where the people around you would prefer you just to do the job at hand and not to have any feelings or thoughts about it. But each and every one of us gets to decide ultimately what kind of relationship we want to have with ourselves. 
And for me, I have made the decision that I no longer exploit or extract from myself. I no longer um, muscle past my needs or take myself for granted. And that's a commitment. That's a commitment that I made to myself. And there are consequences to that commitment, but there are also consequences to overriding that commitment. And I am no longer willing to live with the burnout that happens when I submit to that, that fear. You know, I still have that fear around, does this make me seem too needy? But what I come back to time and time again is that that neediness is true. Whatever it is that I am labeling needy is true. What is neediness apart from a bid for connection, a desire to matter, a desire to be prioritized in your relationships? That is not a bad thing. And that even more often (laughs) when we try to suppress our needs, we become the exact thing that we are trying not to be because you can only pretend you don't have needs for so long before they reveal themselves, you know, and then it's this pot boiling over scenario where all of a sudden you have all of these needs and they're coming out sideways and you're getting upset about something that is relatively small on the scale of things, but it's just the moment where you couldn't keep it to yourself anymore. And so I much prefer to have more of a working relationship with my needs so that they're not just exploding all over the place at really inconvenient moments. Wow. Yeah. I am recently, or I'm, I like read it on and off, but um, it's the Discovering Your Inner Mother, I think by Bethany Webster. Oh yeah. 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 And I recently She's listened great. to the part. Yeah. I recently listened to the part where she says um, like kind of the, the, not like a specific mother, but mothers as a whole tend to shut down their own needs and then they become a vacuum of needs because they haven't had their needs met in so long that they Mm -hmm. then take from their daughters and then their daughters grow up to be mothers who don't meet their own needs, but then they have that vacuum and then they take from other people. Um, So I think that's a cool kind of perspective too, that not only is it important to your relationship with yourself to meet your needs, but it's also really important in your relationships to others to meet your own needs and to communicate what your needs are too, and to vocalize those, even when it makes them uncomfortable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I truly do not enjoy being in conversation with people who are not in working relationship with their needs because And I say this with so much love because this used to be me, but you have no idea what they're really saying yes or no to. (laughs) You know, it is so challenging to, um, to even be able to communicate about things because they're trying to please you. They're borrowing against themselves in order to say yes. doesn't matter that I don't want that for them. Um, And, you know, I remember so often for myself when I was in this place, I would say yes and, you know, would completely overestimate what I had the capacity for. And then it would be this terrible situation where, of course, I didn't feel like I was enough because I wasn't able to live up to this impossible standard that I had set for myself. And so I do less now and there is some grief in that. 
but I much prefer a straightforward approach with how much capacity I actually have and work to, um, to deal from that place and, you know, to have conversations with my loved ones about doing the same thing, because how can we really be in relationship with one another if we're not in relationship with ourselves as it relates to what we need and how much we're actually available for? Mm. I think one of the the things I just read in your book recently was doing less more of the time. Yes. Mm. That's hard. (laughs) It is hard. Well, it's hard too, I will say, you know, for me, I'm somebody who is relatively um, obsessed with making plans for reinvention um i was i just remember you know when i was a kid i would lie in bed and i would hatch these like huge plans that would be like a whole life overhaul and i was going to do all these things and it was going to be different this time and of course the plan overwhelmed me to the point of an action almost immediately but there was were those few glorious moments of i'm gonna do it this time i'm gonna do it all And that feeling is addictive and doing less and more often feels so sad next to that, that excitement, that um, rush of this is the time, but that's what works. And it's not that glamorous, but um, it's life-changing. Oh, yeah. I was, I was muted, but I was laughing in that like (laughs) kind of way (laughs) um and that actually leads me into my next question and I think I mean you have a book you have a podcast I know you're a very ambitious person with all these ideas and goals but how do you I think that's something I've been balancing too because I I also am very ambitious and I have all these ideas and I'm also learning one, not every idea needs to be done. Not every idea needs to be done quickly or to perfection. Um, but yeah, I'm just wondering how we can show up for that ambition in a sustainable way without sacrificing our self-care at the same time. Yeah, great question. I think doing less and more often is a really great place to start, but Ultimately, the number one place that I start is in checking in with myself before I check in with my to-do list. By which I mean, I am the vessel through which all of the work is done. And I am always in the process of trying to be as flexible as possible around that, you know, assessing what I'm available for, checking in on how it's going, kind of pivoting when it's not going that well, or when it could be more enjoyable in a different direction. You know, this kind of touch and go relationship with myself where I am responding to how I feel and to what I need and working in that kind of way. And so this might look like checking in and seeing how I'm doing and then choosing what off of my to-do list is best suited for how I feel today. So, you know, I woke up this morning, I felt pretty good. Um, I had to get go really early to get some blood work done. And then I had this chunk, rare chunk of time where I uh, decided to, I had a lot of energy, get as many, cross as many things off of my to-do list as possible in that chunk of time. 
So I kind of circled some things on the list and started like chugging through them. And then at a certain point, um, I was hungry. It was lunchtime. And at that point, I pivoted towards feeding myself. After lunch, I had had this vision that I was going to go back and do a little bit more work before we jumped on this call. But I found that I like tried and it kind of just wasn't happening. And but I had that feeling of wanting to do something. So I decided instead to clean my kitchen during that time. It was kind of like ideal suited period of time before, you know, I hopped on this call. And so that's an example of how I move throughout my daily life Um, is, I mean, I work for myself, but I think the same applies if you work for somebody else, you can sort of think about what you're available for. Now I'm answering emails or now I'm working on this writing project for this period of time. The second piece is when you have something on your calendar that you don't want to do or you can't do, um, you know, you feel like you can't do, asking yourself how you can approach it in a way that is sustainable and kind. So again, you're gonna be taking yourself into account when you're doing it. So say I had woken up this morning and didn't feel great, knew that I wanted to get on this call, knew it was gonna be kind of a heavy lift for me, then I would have a more chill morning up until now to save some of my energy so that I had as much energy to give here. And I would have spent that time between when I woke up until now taking care of myself or doing kind of low key sort of things and making sure that I was able to show up for that thing that was my priority with as much of myself as possible. And so I think that this way of approaching yourself is about being in relationship with yourself over the course of the day and making the kind of adjustments as necessary, because really you're looking at what am I committing my energy to right now? And the second piece, which is what do I need in order to make good on that commitment? So these tandem commitments help you to create or dream or get stuff done in a way that takes you along for the ride and is far more sustainable. Yeah, and you're still definitely accomplishing, even though I know accomplishments maybe shouldn't be the center of our goals, but you still are accomplishing and um, still kind of feeding that ambition in a way that makes it last longer. Yeah. Mm, That's beautiful. Um, My last question is, if you had to give someone some kind of easy quick advice on how to start taking better care of themselves, what would you, what would you say? I would say that, um, to start with checking in with yourself and you can kind of check in and see how do I feel right now? You know, I do this while I'm lying in bed. My alarm clock goes off. I'm lying in bed and I'm asking myself, how do I feel? And you might start with your physical body that might come more easily than your emotional body. How do I feel physically right now? Or how do I feel emotionally right now? Um, What do I need right now? But the question that I am loving playing with right now, and I will share that with all of you is asking myself, how can I make my day? What is one thing I can do to make my day better? And offering that thing to myself. And it could be fold the laundry or wash the laundry (laughs) could be um, 
I don't know, call the RMV because there's something wrong with your registration. It could be go outside and stand in the sun for five minutes. The answer could be anything, but that idea of partnering with yourself and self-support is so delicious. Like, well, what can I do? You know, that's the that's the question that I would love for somebody else to ask me. When my partner asked me, what can, I, what can I do to make your day just a little bit better? I love that question. That's such a sweet question. And so when I ask myself that question and I'm patient for the response, I allow the responses to surprise me. And I commit myself to doing that one thing in whatever way is doable and kind of rebuild my relationship with myself from that point. I love that. I think that would make a really great journal prompt too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so delightful. And I so, so, so recommend your book and your podcast. Can you tell us more about how we can work with you, where we can buy your book, all that fun stuff? Absolutely. Come hang out with me at maraglatzel.com. You will find the book there. You'll find I have a quiz about figuring out what you need right now. I have some workshops that I'm offering this spring. You can find out all of that there at maraglatzel.com. And also come hang out with me on Instagram if that's your thing. I love hanging out over there as well. Oh, I'm awesome. at Mara Glatzel. Okay. And that'll be in the show notes as well. Thank you. Thanks so uh, much for having me. Thank you so much for coming. so much for listening to this episode of empowered spirituality if you liked what you heard today it would mean so much if you shared with a friend or gave it a rating or review so that it can reach even more people if you want to connect further perhaps you can consider joining the low-cost monthly membership for virtual new moon circles weekly guided meditations tarot pools and a discord community you can find that at ko-fi.com bloomingwild or you can visit my website samanthanagel.com to work with me further. <laughs>